What up and welcome in to a special edition of well, Super Bowl 56 crossover week. It's the Rams, it's the Bengals, and we're going to break it down for you over the next three segments. So make sure you make us your first listen right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, yeah, it's Bengals, it's Rams, and it's uh, it's going to be wild. He's Jake Lisko, I'm James Erpine, Travis Rogers of Locked On Rams. We're Locked On Bengals. And um, well, we're, uh, we've talked about this game a lot. We were just talking yeah. about it. We, as talked out as we are, I think there's a, a lot of storylines, a lot of fun stuff to, to dive in here. Uh, what's the vibe like in Los Angeles right now from a fan standpoint going into this game? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a very L.A. vibe. It's it's it, And that means something very specific. If you are from here, I think you kind of know what that means. If you're not, it, it's... We're into it, but we're not that into it. You know, it's just, it's kind of how we roll here. It's just that we'll get excited when you win. We'll come back if you win. We're going to be very excited about this team leading up to it, but we're not going to be too, too aggressive as far as like fired up. They're fired up for the parties and everything else, but I do think that the Rams have done a miraculous job of where they started six years ago to where they are right now. And once the Jeff Fisher era had come to a close, mercifully, uh, everybody got on board very, very quickly. Sean McVay turned this thing around like that. This is the second trip to the Super Bowl in four years, like you guys know. And this time feels very different than the last time because last time it was, wow, we're here. This is the, you know, this is what this feels like. is brand new in town. Um, and this one is, yeah, they need to go win. This, this there, there's a lot more pressure on this one than there was on the last one from the fans' perspective because the last ones were just happy to be here. We're just getting started. McVay's just brand new here too. No, 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 no. You've got all pros all over the field. You got one of the best coaches in the league. Close the show. You know, the, very different vibe, I think, in LA than in Cincinnati. But let's talk about the pep rallies for a second <laughs> because you're talking about this, this LA vibe. Is that what explains? The I think that's part of attendance. it. Yeah, I mean, what the you guys had with the Bengals was looked like a game. I mean, oh, yeah. the, the, the place is they packed. They could have sold it out. Oh, the absolutely. Bowl was full. Absolutely. It looked like a game, and this looked like a pep rally here. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think had it been a send-off to somewhere else, because I remember when they did the event here in town a couple of years ago when they were going to Atlanta for Super Bowl 53, it was a little bit bigger. It was a little more... Um, in the moment, if you will, because this is, it's, you're not going anywhere. You're just, you're going back to your facility in Thousand Oaks. You're getting ready to go down the street to, to go play the game. But yeah, I just think it's the sensibilities of the market are very different. We are a, we'll let you know when we care about it. Uh, until then, you guys can get excited and, and we're going to keep our foot on the brake for a little bit. Not enough to go to two Super Bowls in four years to care about it for residents of Los Angeles. So here's the deal. 22 years without football in this city, right? Sure. People picked other teams. The, sure. the, 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 the fact of the matter is I grew up here in LA and I was a Rams fan as a kid. So when they came back, it was very easy for me to get back on board because I didn't, I didn't follow the Rams to St. Louis, I'll be honest. I'm not gonna root for a team that's halfway across the country. But I didn't decide that I was going to become a 49er fan or a Raider fan or, or whatever else. So when they came back, it was really easy for me to jump back in. I think for the vast majority of people my age or thereabouts, when the Rams came back, it's like, yeah, cool. But for my kids, I got three kids that are a little bit younger. They pick different teams. And, you know, they're, it's going to take something – a championship, more than one championship, time, I think is the biggest thing to kind of get people re reinvested in this team. And I think it's probably even younger than that. I think kids that are probably trying to figure out which team do I like now, those are the Rams. Guys, that's a Raider fan here in town, you're not changing his mind. He's a Raider fan. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't think that you're getting him, you might get his kid. 
You mentioned winning, championship, the pressure to win in L.A. There's everything to do in Los Angeles. It's different than a Midwest city. It's just how it is. I feel like pressure-wise, and there's always pressure in Super Bowls. The Bengals are going to feel pressure just like the Rams are going to feel pressure. But one team was made and built and constructed to be here. Yep. The other team, I'm not saying that, you know, the Bengals got lucky, but I don't think anybody expected them to be here. We didn't expect them to be here. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's pressure on them? Do you think they feel that going into this game? I think there's massive pressure on them, yeah. And it's funny because I was talking about the Bengals on, on Locked on Rams. They, they remind me a lot of two teams. They remind me of the 49ers back in the early 80s when Joe Montana, like Joe Montana had that thing where he just kind of shows up like, I win stuff. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but my entire life, I win things. Does that not remind you a little bit of Joe Burrow? Like, yeah. I just, I show up and I win stuff. I know this is kind of exciting and new for you. It's not for me. I win things. Then you add a top-level wide receiver, Jerry Rice, Jamar Chase. It feels familiar. And the other team it reminds me of is the Rams a couple of years ago. Way ahead of schedule. You got a new coach. You probably got a little bit further than anybody thought it would. And it's kind of house money. The Rams is not house money. They, they went all in again to get it done. So I think there's huge pressure. And I wonder, from your guys' perspective, like, what is the amount of expectation going into this is it if we win that's great if we don't what a great season anyway because that's what it felt like the Rams a couple of years ago James feel free to disagree with me on this I think that's the attitude that fans may have but I think a lot of fans are also we're here win the thing there's no reason not to win the thing now and start a dynasty there's that attitude I think to some degree I think the team as you mentioned with Joe Burrow like this is a guy that just one yeah every step he's by the way as a ref that's very scary the guys that expect to win win yeah and, and, and we've seen it in the league right there have been these quarterbacks that come along seemingly one or two a generation where they just win and despite not having the greatest physical talents Joe Montana mm-hmm. Tom Brady although I know Tom Brady became a much better thrower of the football over his career they continue to overcome whatever obstacle it is. And they, like, will their defense to get them the ball in the crucial situation somehow to get the game-winning fourth-quarter drive. And it doesn't make any sense, but mm-hmm. it's how it works. And so I think there is a lot of that. It's funny you mentioned the, the 49ers reference. I was talking to Peacock and Williamson this morning, and, and, and Peacock's like, we can't call him Joe Cool. That's taken. He's, he's a 49ers We've had guy. two LTs. We had Lawrence Taylor. We had Ladanian Tomlinson. Yeah, Maybe we could have two Joe Cools. Well, abbreviations versus the, I don't know. I don't know where the where the break even is. I explained it as more of like it's a homage, right? Yeah. It's it's, it's uh, paying respects to what came before because those parallels are there in so many ways. But to to go back to your question, I think for the team, they've really adopted that that Burrow personality of like, yeah, it's it's exciting that we're here. But I've never lost a winner go home. It's they they expect it. Yeah. I'll say like they don't care if it's four and a half point dogs and the games in LA, all of that stuff. And on paper, it's overwhelming. We'll dive into some of these matchups. Mm-hmm. It's overwhelming in some areas. He knows the offensive line isn't the best. He's not going to come out and admit that. Sure. But he's like, okay, we're going to win, and here's here's how, and whatever the game plan is. And I, I think that is dangerous, especially because of where the pressure is. Right, I mean, they are in the, their home stadium. If the Bengals get off to a good start, Stafford makes a, a, a bad play or two, you'll look up and it's like, oh, yeah, is this really I, what, what's happening right I, now? I think that's the big thing for Rams fans coming into this because if you look at what the Rams have done this season, both in the postseason and, and during the regular season, when Matthew Stafford doesn't throw the ball to the wrong team, they don't literally. If, when he's clean, they haven't lost a single game. How many games has he been clean? 11. 11 he's been clean? Yeah. 
So when he throws one, it's oh, you're kind talking of, picks, not I'm ta- pickable passes. No, I'm talking interceptions, yeah. right? Yeah. So when he throws one, it's kind of a 50-50 proposition. If he throws more than one, they lose more than they win. And they've, they've you know, they've got they got a little bit lucky against Baltimore and uh, Minnesota along the way, but. Yeah, you're, you're right. And then the pressure that comes along with that, knowing that it's kind of riding on number nine back there, it's a big deal. And, and their pressure, you know, they, what they gave up, Sean McVay basically said it without saying it. We're not good enough at quarterback. We have to get better there. If we're better there, I think we can close the show. And, well, here they are. Let's get into some of those matchups. And Matt Stafford, X-Factor, the defensive, offensive trench matchups, I should say. And we'll go there coming up next. But first, a word from GetUpside, the app that you need to get right now to save money every time you fill up at the pump. It's a free app. You can get it in the App Store or Google Play, whether you have an Android or iPhone, and use promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you're going to get up to $0.25 off per gallon cash back every time you fill up. It's the GetUpside app. I have it on my phone. You should get it, too, because you're going to save money. And who doesn't like free money that you know you can... Apply to an Amazon gift card. You can transfer it to your bank account. Transfer it to PayPal. You can buy us something special. I say it all the time. No one's done it yet, but you can get get upside now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you're going to get up to $0.25 cents cash back every time you fill up. And we're just a couple of days away, right? The Super Bowl's right here in Los Angeles coming up on February 13th, and you're thinking, I got to go. I got to be there. I got to get this once-in-a-lifetime experience taken care of. You can go try to find a ticket. Good luck, and you know how that's going to go. It's going to be expensive, and you never quite know how it's going to shake out for you. But you can lock in the Super Bowl experience of a lifetime right now with our friends at On Location. Real, true 50-yard line seats, only available with On Location. An invite to celebrate on the field with the champs, maybe with these guys, maybe with me. We'll see what it is. On Location. And, of course, it's not just about the game day. It's about the entire Super Bowl weekend, the events leading up to it across this city. Uh, we're talking pregame parties, A-list music talent, so many more other things. you got to go check it out for yourself. The official hospitality partner of the NFL is offering you the most exclusive ticket packages available, period. Here's how you do it. Onlocationexp.com slash SB56. I'll give it to you again. Onlocationexp.com dot com slash sb56 or you can just search super bowl on location it's super bowl on location to get yourself right here to la the right way let's go into the quarterback matchup matt stafford joe burrow a lot of times in the nfl the quarterback that plays better the passing offense that performs at a higher level of efficiency whatever efficiency stat you like wins the game Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow had been incredibly clean, talking about turnover-free performances until Kansas City where uh, you know he, he has one mistake on a play-action pass to Jamar Chase on the sideline, makes another mistake where Nick Bolton can almost pick off a, a throwaway. Mm-hmm. Matt Stafford, in my viewing, has been erratic with his accuracy at times. It's not always consistent. He thinks that he can make some of these throws that aren't always there. And, Sometimes it seems like when he takes that extra beat, he gets a little bit confused from what he's seeing. He's, he starts to put the ball in danger. What is it that gives Matt Stafford trouble and causes that inconsistency in your opinion? Well, I think it's the, the one of the things you mentioned right there. It's the same thing, and I'm not comparing these two guys as far as their careers, but it's the same thing that gave Brett Favre a little bit of trouble. Like, I can get it in there. Yeah. No, no, you can't. I know you th- because he probably can get it in there some of the times that, that other guys maybe can't. It comes with that incredible arm talent. It comes with the confidence that I think all the guys that play that position have that I, I, can, I can do it. Um, they, they don't look at these things 
as, as opportunities I want to stay away from. Um, I think that's the, the big bugaboo for him. You know, the, he had one against San Francisco, and, and Joukowsky just dropped it. Yeah. He just he just dropped it. In and, the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 look, I got in an argument with some of the Rams fans about that. Oh, the game wouldn't have been over. Eh, I don't know about that. It, yeah. it felt like there's nine minutes or so to go, so maybe you can get back. And all of a sudden, you just give the ball away. You had the goal line interception to Cooper Cup. Like, that's, that's a good example, I think, of – Matthew Stafford trying to make something happen like that as bad as it is to throw interceptions in the red zone as bad as it is to throw him at the goal line like that that's Cooper Cup he thought he saw an opening the ball gets tipped up in the air it gets intercepted I think if it's one of those you can keep you, you can keep it moving uh, if it's one like the wall to tart not so much we saw him make against Tennessee during the regular season just he takes chances that, that maybe you don't need to, to make um I don't know if there's a particular coverage that gives him trouble. I think like most quarterbacks, he's he's when you got to move him early, that he's not good. When he's when they do designed rollouts, he's very very good. He's the best in the league against the blitz. So if you send that extra guy, and I don't think they will. Seeing what they did against Mahomes, I don't think that's something he's going to see a lot of. But that's somewhere where he thrives. So I, you know, I, I think if he just gets a little of those moments where I can get it in there, that that's the rub for him. And, and I wonder kind of the same thing for Joe Burrow, you know, 12 sacks, three games in the playoffs, nine of them came in one game. We know that the Rams are so good up front. Is, is that the, the, the key to getting to him is making him move? Yeah, I mean, you, you certainly, you want to make a move, you want to make him uncomfortable. And it seems like every team has been able to do that because the Bengals offensive line, mm-hmm. I mean, the interior has been such a, a struggle. Right, the, the right guard position, it's been Akeem Adenogy. They've had Jackson Carmen in there, Xavier Suofilo. They've had so many different right guards this year, and none of them have been the solution. I think it's going to be Akeem Adenogy on Sunday, and he's a sixth-round, second-year player. You know, it's just it, it's hard to expect him to, against this front or against Chris Jones, mm-hmm. or, you know, the list goes on of all these interior linemen that they've struggled with. But Burrow has been so good over the past, I'd say, two months at handling the pressure and yeah he got sacked a lot against Tennessee and he was a little confused there you know what he did he held onto the ball mm-hmm. and some AJ Pirine Pirine's fault that's the only reason he threw an interception so he's been really good at taking care of the ball even though they put heat on him every team it seems like is getting heat on him and that's that's the thing in this game I think that the Rams are going to get pressure on Burrow can he avoid the big turnover He's done it so far. Mm-hmm. Might be easier said than done because Von Miller and Aaron Donald, they're, they're different. Leonard Floyd, I think they're, they might be a little better than what the Bengals have seen. Yeah, they, the, those guys and, you know, Greg Gaines is the guy that plays in the middle talking about the interior Gaines part too, of that yeah. line. Gaines has done a remarkable job. They're probably going to get Sebastian Joseph Day back for this game. That was his gig before he got hurt and Gaines came in to do that. He's probably going to be available and it allows you to move Aaron Donald wherever you want to put him. That's the thing. If you can get pressure up the middle like you're talking about with with Gaines or with uh, Seabass or whoever it might be, now all of a sudden, if you could put, if you got Donald in there as well, and now you got all sorts of problems, and we know that we move him outside sometimes, you put Donald and Miller on the same side. Tom Brady was running for his life that entire game, and a lot of that was because they had guys on the same side. And, you know, Miller's running around the edge, and here comes Donald up the middle. It's it's a lot. It, it, it's a lot. And that's that's why I'm it's, I, I'm terrified of Joe Burrow. I'll tell you, I, I said that I, I'm really genuinely scared of this guy because he's just got that thing. I, I said it on, on my plug. He's like Seinfeld from with Kramer. He's got the Kavorka. It's just it's just kind of that thing that he knows how to do it. Uh, and 
can he do it with Aaron Donald? We'll see. But uh, I, I'm, I'm holding my breath a little bit. That's what has been so interesting, right? Like against the Titans, it was relentless pressure that turned into sacks. Against the Chiefs, it was also relentless pressure. Mm-hmm. But it didn't turn into sacks. He talked about moving Burrow off his spot. And I think he's really comfortable in that situation. Like, he is a guy that is looking to extend a play, sometimes to his detriment. Go back to that Titans game. There are times where he's trying to extend plays and he loses 20 yards Mm -hmm. and takes him out of field goal range. But a lot of times, to his benefit, where he's rolling out, finding Jamar Chase, or rushing for first downs on third downs against the Chiefs in the fourth quarter in the second half when he has to have it. And that's... That's the game he plays. That's the balancing act that you don't really ever know which way it's going to go. But right now, it's going his way, which is why we've been saying for the last week, he's got that clutch gene. We've been saying it longer than just the last week. But that clutch gene keeps showing up, and it keeps going his way on that tightrope. Then, then that's what's scary. I it, agree with you. It's funny because the clutch gene that you're talking about, this is why Matthew Stafford's here. Because the other guy had that when the, all, all the things we've been talking about, pressure, off schedule, have to do things when stuff isn't going according to this plan. Yep. I, I, I can't do that. I, I'm not your guy for that. And yeah. that's why they made the move that they did to get Matthew Stafford, who has been very good at that for, for most of the season. You know, so I think they all get sped up a little bit, but that was the big thing that the Rams were trying to get better at. The, the Bengals, I think, have with Joe Burrow and that the Rams are much better at than they were a year ago with Jared Goff. Yeah, it makes sense. And we, we saw it with Andy Dalton and then going to Joe Burrow. Mm. And the ability, that playmaking ability is so unique, especially when you have a Jamar Chase and a T. Higgins and a Tyler Boyd. And we can get into some of that. Mm-hmm. And, heck, let's do it a little bit. Do you expect um, Jalen Ramsey, Ramsey to, to shadow I don't. Jamar Chase because he, I don't. he hasn't done that. This He's year. done it once this okay. year, really. They, it, 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 no, it was Mike Evans. Oh. They, they did it with Mike Evans in the in the divisional round where it was something like 69% of Mike Evans' routes, Jalen Ramsey was on him. Other than that, he hasn't been with one guy for more than 30% of the time. So, and, and I think it's more a function of when the when the Rams played the Bucks in the division round, their receiving core was decimated. It was basically Mike Evans and a bunch of guys that, you Scotty know. Miller. Yeah, it just was, it wasn't Antonio Brown. It's not Chris Godwin. Like, the guys that we all know were not there. So, if I really only have to worry about Mike Evans, I'm going to have Ramsey travel with him, like you just mentioned. With Higgins and Boyd and Chase, well, Okay, if I put him on on chase the whole game, there's still two other guys that can do some serious work. So I think they're going to play a more traditional defense. I don't think they'll travel with them. Um, I think maybe in some key situations, if you really want to try to take one guy off the board, I think maybe Ramsey's on him. But that's where I think Darius Williams and Nick Scott and, and Eric Weddle, go figure, that, that you know, yeah. Taylor Rapp and these other guys are going to have to do some work in coverage too because Ramsey can't be in three places at once. A lot more to talk about in this game, including one more question I have about Jalen Ramsey we'll come back to in a second, but also a lot of connections between these teams, between the coaching staff, between Andrew Whitworth and the Bengals, and the list goes on. We'll get into those coming up next, but today's episode of Locked On Rams, Locked On Bengals crossover podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, who has you covered for all of your sports. Sorry, BetOnline.net. Now, betonline.net has you covered for all of your sports wagering needs through the playoffs. Tons of props for the big game. We've been talking about them all week on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And after the Super Bowl, they'll still be there for you. We've got NBA, got NHL going on, a lot of mixed martial arts. And I guess if baseball ever figures it out, baseball season will be back 
pretty soon. Don't too. count on it. Don't count on it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hope that yeah. the MLB is back pretty soon. Don't wait to take advantage of all of their great offers for 2022. Check it out at betonline.net. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. Really quick, my other question on Jalen Ramsey is, what dictates his alignment? Is it he plays one side, he's playing based on the, the defensive play call, and he's in different spots based on the coverage? Or is he, there, He's on the left side more often than he's not. Left side of the defense? Left, left side of the defense. Left side of the defense. So, which is the right side of the offense, right. which is where Jamar Chase happens to run, I think, Roughly two to one, 67% or so of his routes. Yeah, that's so he's that's typically where he is. They, they they will play him in the slot a lot too, depending yeah. on, on on what the the offensive configuration is. They will move him around. He 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 is mostly on the left side of the defense, but he's not that you can. He's not Richard Sherman, who you're going to lock in one spot and that's where he is. And no matter where it is, no matter what they're doing uh, offensively, he's going to be in that spot. But more often than not, he's on the left. And we know Ramsey, how great he is. Probably the best cornerback in the NFL. After him, and you mentioned some of the secondary, mm -hmm. how is this Rams secondary? Because we know the Rams are going to win in the trenches mm -hmm. defensively compared to the Bengals' offensive line. But how big of the advantage is the Bengals' skill players, specifically the receivers, mm -hmm. versus everyone not named Jalen Ramsey? I think if you go down the list of all the things that you, the Rams do well, that the Bengals do well, more of them will be on the Rams' side. The soft spot of this team is in that secondary. The soft spot of this team is at the linebacker position, where they really you got Troy Reader, you've got Ernest Jones, you've got some guys in there. But that's not where Darius Williams was really good last year. He's been okay this year. They've had all sorts of trouble at safety, whether it's with injuries. And Taylor Rapp will knock your head off, but he can't cover anybody, right? So he's a guy that you don't want to see a ton in coverage. Um, you know, Eric Weddle's here because he frees Jalen Ramsey up to do some things that Jalen Ramsey will free. We saw what happened in the division round, right? Mike Evans goes by him. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey taking a shot right there. He, he thought he saw something. It didn't didn't work out, and they hit him over the top. But there, that's where the opportunities, I think, are for, for the Bengals with the Rams in that secondary, in the middle of the field. They're going to kill you up front. They're really good that with, with their front part of their defense, but the back part, I think, is the soft spot. And I'll turn it around for you guys. If, if you are, the Rams are on offense, where's the soft spot for them to attack? Yeah, that's a, a pretty interesting question because I've been trying to speculate about Luana Rumo's defense all week. And the, the one guy that always stands out, and he's been playing well, so maybe we should stop going to him, is Eli Apple. Mm -hmm. Is Out of the three starting corners they have, the, le the least decorated, probably the, the least successful. But he's been more than serviceable, I would say, in the playoffs. But regardless of that, I think the Rams have to look at the Cooper Cup matchup because – the way Sean McVay calls offense it just puts so much stress and, and uses defensive rules against them. And when Cup is running that weak side option route and gets singled up on Mike Hilton, Mike Hilton was great against him in 2019 when he played for the Steelers. Mm -hmm. Cooper Cup's come a long way since then. And so anytime Cooper Cup is singled up, I, I don't see this being too terribly different than, than previous matchups. But... I would give the Bengals credit as well for doing a great job against Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in that game where they identified the weapons and took them away. But beyond that, I think that, you know, I don't know what Luana Rumo is going to do in this game. Mm -hmm. It's kind of where I'm at right now because it's been such disparate game plans between 
you know, the Titans two weeks ago, the Chiefs last week, or I guess maybe two weeks ago now, whenever, whatever day it is. <laughs> Several years ago, it feels yeah. like at times, yeah. And, and the, against the Rams, you can't be one-dimensional on defense because I think Sean McVay, if you, if you play the drop eight stuff, he's going to be willing to run the ball, regardless of what Cam Akers has done in the playoffs. And maybe we'll talk about what's gone wrong with the Rams' run game. I think that there might be opportunities there if they say we don't care if you run, which is what they did against the Chiefs, and they can't do that against Sean McVay's willingness to run the ball. But what's going on with that running game? I think that we were talking a little bit before we started recording the pod that Sean McVay occasionally will get stubborn in what he wants to do. And I think that's probably a a, a good trait 95% of the time. I have a belief in what I do, and we're going to make sure that we do it really well. I do think that one of the things that he struggled with in the early part of the season was his reluctance to run even when it wasn't working. And and in the second half, when the Rams went through November and didn't win a game, and they, they were just doing the same thing over and over again. They were trying to get Cooper Cup going. They were trying to throw the ball. They were trying to run the offense that they run. And then Jacksonville came to town at exactly the right time. Let them kind of get right and, and, and catch your breath. But it was... Sony Michelle was finally fully integrated in the offense at that point. Daryl Henderson had been hurt, so he was the guy. And then you bring Cam Akers back towards the end. And even when they're not getting a ton of success on the ground, he keeps running the ball. So I, I think you're right. I think that if he, he's going to run the ball, whether they're having a great deal of success or not, I think that the Niners were pretty good against the run. They didn't have a ton of success. The, the Bengals, or excuse me, the uh, Bucks were a little better in the second half than they were in the first half. The Rams were being far more conservative in the second half of that game. And, you, you know, everybody in the stadium knew they weren't going to start to light it up. They had a 20-point lead going into that. So I think there's some extenuating circumstances, but I do expect him to be not committed to the run like, you know, the, the, the Oilers of the 1970s, but I, I think they will run and, and it'll open up some opportunities. Do, do you have the feel that this is going to be a shootout? Because these are two offenses that have been described as really explosive, but to me, looking at the way their playoffs have gone for both teams, they've been grinding out games, close games, not terribly high scoring, and a lot of people seem to like the offenses in this game, and I don't know if I see it that way. I know, James, you love offense. Not this week. No, yeah. I, I think it's going to be slow it down. It's going to be a lot like the Bengals. To me, if, put it like this. If the Bengals are in it, it's going to be a lot like it's been in Tennessee. It was 19-16, to 27-24 in overtime against the Chiefs, but it was a, a dogfight. Mm-hmm. I think that probably is how the Bengals want it. They don't want to have to drop Burrow back 50 times to try to keep up with Matt Stafford because, you know, in, in that offense. And it, it, do you view it that way? Do you think it's going to be that way? Do you think put, the Rams want to? I, I think if it's in the teens, the Rams are in trouble. I, I don't think I don't think yeah. that's how they want to play it. I, I think that the the, the way that the, the Bengals play and the way the Rams play, if you're getting into the high 20s and 30s, I think you like the Rams' chances better. If it's in the low 20s and the high teens, then it's probably a Cincinnati game. Um, the Rams score. Even when they, they – aren't quite firing on all cylinders they're going to hit one or two big plays they're going to they're going to have a touchdown probably just like that they, they they tend to have one or two of those and one of the things that the rams defense does really well they'll give up a lot of yardage that you can move the ball and i know that the the Bengals have struggled in the red zone a little bit they kicked a lot of field goals they haven't scored a lot of touchdowns well field goals in the playoffs right <laughs> right and so that i think is good news for the rams because they they give up yardage but once you get into that red area they they tend to stiffen up pretty good I want to ask you about Odell Beckham Jr. and Van Jefferson because mm-hmm. it isn't just Cooper Cup. He, he gets all the headlines, he and, and, and rightfully so. But Odell Beckham Jr., 
seems to have found a home. It mm-hmm. seems like it's working. I covered him in Cleveland a little bit when it wasn't working with Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> this feels much. Yeah, it feels more like a Freddie Kitchens problem <laughs> than an OBJ problem, well, and, but and, sure. And maybe a little Baker in there as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, sure. Um, how, how has Odell been outside of the, the stats watching him, and how does Van Jefferson fit? Yeah, so I, I've, I've said this a couple of times. I'm, I'm, I'll call it on here, too. Van Jefferson will catch a big pass on the opening drive or two. He, it's it's you can write the script by it that I think everybody that gets ready to play the Rams how do we stop Cooper Cup how do we stop Cooper Cup how do we deal with OBJ and Van Jefferson it just it seems he's open by 10 yards on the first or second drive every time and they'll hit and it's a 25 yard it's a chunk play so I think that he'll he doesn't get he's not an eight ball a game guy but when he when it's going him you're you're taking a shot so I think that's the Jefferson part of it when they made the deal for Beckham. Mm -hmm. Robert Woods was still healthy, right? So it was more of a why not kind of thing as opposed to, hey, we really need this guy. It didn't feel like you needed him. Is he going to disrupt it? It was, if this is any problem at all, we, we, we don't need it. You got Robert Woods. Well, Woods gets hurt about five minutes after it's done, and, he, and, and now, he, now he has to play well, and he has. He's been, I haven't heard one thing from a player, one thing from a staffer, people inside the building that cover this team. He's been a model player. He's been a great teammate. He's obviously performed at a very, very high level. Um, it, it was arguably one of the most important acquisitions they made all season because if it's just, as good as Cooper Cup is, if he's your only guy, and especially with Tyler Higby hurt coming into this game, he's unlikely to play as your starting tight end. You're going to need somebody else that's going to draw some attention, and I don't know anybody draws more attention than OBJ. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting. That that's, takes me back to the Tennessee game, thinking about the Bengals again here. The first play of that game, Derrick Henry's back, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, Derrick Henry's getting the first play of the game. Mm-hmm. And then the Bengals play single high, and they run a little play-action pass, and Jesse Bates comes from the post safety and picks it up. Right. So the the – chess match between coaches in this game is you know obviously the players make plays decide the game but the, the schematic stuff is really interesting to me as well because to me Lou Anarumo has found answers in the second half specifically in these playoff games and against the Titans really for the whole game but will Sean McVay be the guy that looks at Lou Anarumo's adjustment and then makes the change kind of a counterpuncher, right like right. Who, who can make the most second adjustments right. um Sean McVay has been a mixed bag in that regard. Some, sometimes he's had some success doing it. Sometimes, like we talked about earlier, he's, he's a little more stubborn. Um, the one thing the Rams have not done throughout the entire postseason is play two good halves in the same game. They, they, against Arizona, they got up really early, and then they kind of took their foot off the gas, like, we're not going to show anything else. We, we, this one's in our back pocket. And they, they were kind of flat and uninspired in the second half. Tampa, they were lights out in the first half and barely held on in yeah. the second half. The game against San Francisco, they couldn't do really anything. In the, I shouldn't say they shouldn't do anything. They struggled to score points in the first half. They, they moved the ball, but they didn't score. But, you know, they didn't score. And then the second half, boom, it started to happen all over again. If they can put two halves together, and maybe that's what you're kind of talking about, it's the adjustments. And more often than not, the second half has been the weaker of the two halves for the Rams. Um, we'll see because we know the number. It's 47 and one. Sean McVay has the lead at the half. They are 47 and one, and so that and the one loss was to San Francisco in Week 18 this year, and they had they blew a, a, a 10 point lead. So with a lead, I like their chances. And what's odd about that? The Bengals have been a second half team, right? Right. They, you know they've rallied back multiple times in in big moments. So uh, the other part you mentioned the chess match. There's so many connections. Yeah. Obviously McVay and Taylor. We mm-hmm. know that and, and the connection there. But with Matt Stafford, 
Brian Callahan was, was Matt Stafford's uh, quarterbacks coach at, at, with the Lions. So the Andrew Whitworth, you know, knows this staff and called Zach Taylor after hanging out with Joe mm -hmm. Burrow. So there's a, there's a lot of connections in this one for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's the only two way the Lions can get to the Super Bowl is to go to two different teams and they'll they'll, they'll find their way in it through the oh, back door, I guess. Oh, <laughs> hey, we love them, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, the, the Andrew Whitworth thing is really interesting. Obviously, yeah. I spent the vast majority of his career in Cincinnati. Um, he was one of the most important pieces that they picked up. That when Sean McVay got the job, they went out and got Andrew Whitworth, they went out and got John Sullivan. And, and John Sullivan came in, played center for them for a couple of years, and did a really good job. But it felt like Whitworth at the time was, okay, let's just give Jared Goff a little peace of mind that you got the pro's pro on your blind side. Well, he's been here for five years, and he's still playing at about as high a level. It sounds like this is the end of it. It doesn't yeah. sound like he has any interest in going beyond it. He certainly could if he wanted to. But, yeah, I, I think it kind of closes the circle, right, that he started in Cincinnati and maybe gets a chance to win a Super Bowl against his former team. A lot of fun things to watch in this Super Bowl. The stories, the X's and O's, the players. I think it, you know, despite some of the analytics community calling these pretty bad Super Bowl teams, despite them being four seeds, I think that this has the makings of a really good football game and the continuation of what's been a tight, hotly contested, and really entertaining playoff run. We'll continue to have you covered here from Radio Row and after the game on the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked on Rams, Locked on Bengals. Get them anywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow from Radio Row.